You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Tuesday, September 13th. And today, I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PVH, how's it going, my friend? I'm good, brother. How are you? Happy to talk to you on a Tuesday. It's a little early. A little early. late. I'm not sure, but it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're bringing this preview pod uh, to our our listeners a little early because I'll be traveling later this week. Anyway, thank you, by the way, for accommodating me, my friend. Uh, We are going to be without our good buddy, Chad Plummer. Uh, unfortunately, he has a conflict, but we will get Chad back on the pod next week. And is, we, is that a uh, pickleball triple header that he's playing? <laughs> I think it is Hope a pickleball you have your tri- headband and your knee braces on, Chad. <laughs> don't hurt yourself out there. It's just good to know where Chad's priorities are here. You know, yeah, the p- exactly. pickleball tournament more important than the South stands. I, my feelings aren't yeah. hurt. I know yours aren't, Paige. But we will try uh, to soldier you know, on with that. Pickleball sweeping the nation, so got to get out there and play. <laughs> So we are here to have a second look at number three Ohio State's 45 to 12 win over Arkansas State in the Horseshoe last Saturday. We'll also spend a few minutes talking about the Buckeyes next opponent, the Toledo Rockets, who visit the Horseshoe this coming Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. But PVH, I'd like to turn the floor over to you. Our listeners have not yet gotten your perspective on the Buckeyes win over Arkansas State uh, last Saturday. Um, I do want to give you some credit, though. In our preview pod last week, you thought the Buckeyes might come out flat and the performance against the Red Wolves might might have been a bit of a clunker. And you were pretty spot on, my friend. I think your prediction was 38 to 10. The final was 45 to 12. So I think you pretty much nailed it. What else did you see out of the Arkansas State performance that that stood out to you? Well, first, I'd like to go on record of, you know, having that correct and, you know, I'm sure our listeners will be pleased to hear that I won $2,000 by betting on that outcome. Oh, which you did. I did not. Oh, you I, did not. I, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I totally, I'm like the George Costanza of gambling. Um, <laughs> even though I, I get it right, I bet on the other thing and hence get it wrong. So, um, no, I had the Buckeyes way over and uh, clearly that didn't happen. The the other thing is, can we just start a petition and get some signatures to just ban noon starts for a high state? (laughs) Like, I don't understand why we keep doing this. And I, I get it. Right. It's, you know, you're, you're dealing with networks and things of that nature, but it just makes no earthly sense to have 12 o'clock kickoffs especially after big, you know, mm-hmm. you know, seven 30 primetime games. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, even if it's two o'clock, um, yeah, you know, like, yeah, they were, I think they were probably, from, I think they were probably throwing BTN a bone there with the noon start, but you know, you're Ohio state. You can pretty much dictate when you play one would think. Right. That's right? my point. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I get it. Like we're throwing them a bone and, um, you know, it's some network executive is making these decisions, but it, it just, you know, why, like we are, you know, the prettiest girl at the dance. So let's just, you know, throw a little bit of weight around and say, look, the earliest we're ever going to play a game is two o'clock. <laughs> and, you know, it's like this old college football mentality mm-hmm. that they keep 
you know, adhering to in, in certain regards as far as when these games are on TV and it, it just makes no sense. And that was really the only reason why I thought, eh, you know, maybe they're not going to play their best game, mm-hmm. you know, coming off Notre Dame, uh, you know, a lot of emotion, you know, night game, all the, you know, the pageantry. Okay. Uh, 12 o'clock start against uh, Arkansas state. Isn't going to, you know, it's not going to motivate those guys. Right. Even though I thought they played pretty well. Um, and the game was never, you know, in doubt and it was just kind of a weird game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just thinking right before we get on this pod, like, l- let's just stop noon kickoffs. Like, I think there's, there could be a, <laughs> exactly. there could be a path to making that happen. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, I mean, well, with Fox as a, as a broadcast partner and, and, you know, with the new television deal they have, Fox is a prominent broadcast partner. They, they may push back on the noon starts, but 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 I'm with but, you. I but, mean, but here's my question. But why? Why would they do that? I mean, it, it, do they have some other programming that they would, they, you know, they need to play later that is going to draw more eyeballs? I just, I, I agree with you. That's why it's happening. And mm-hmm. you know, um, this isn't the question. I'm just on this little rant on this whole thing because the Texas <laughs> Alabama drew a lot of viewers at at, at, right. at the same time slot. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it just it's it just makes no sense. It's 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 almost like you know having bowls trying to decide the national champion like we did 25 <laughs> years ago. Right. No primetime game should be at noon anymore. It just shouldn't happen, especially us, and especially when you know when there's you know some marquee schools or you know top 10 matchups. Like right. stop doing this. It's just <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> Anyways, I can move on. What did I like about the game? Or what how, did you what like? What are about my impressions game? about? Yeah, the game? Um, it, it was it was never in doubt. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we came out. I think did we score on the first drive? You know, I mean, it was, or maybe we didn't, but it just felt we like did. we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had control of the game. It never felt like, hey, this is going to be close. Um, Except there were two drives, and you know, you and I talked about this on mm-hmm. Saturday. That just kind of felt like it sucked the wind, not out of you know, like just the stadium, but you could almost see it on Ryan's day's Ryan Day's face on the sideline, where it's like, Jesus, just get us the ball back, right? Like we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. Right. And Arkansas State had these long drives. It happened twice that were felt like an eternity that just. It, it threw sand in the gears the entire game, the entire game plan. And at one point, you know, I was thinking, God, it feels like we're up like 40 and we were only up like 22. And it was just, it, it, it made the game feel like it wasn't as, you know, successful as it, it actually was. I mean, they did a lot of great things, but those couple drives clearly aided by some, you know, penalties on the Ohio State side right. really made it, you know, um, not the blowout that it felt like it was or that it could have been. That's yeah. my overarching sort of feel of how the game went down. Yeah. And you, let me just, uh, let me back you up here on that point. The two drives you're referencing, there was one in the first quarter. It was uh, Arkansas State's second possession of the game. That went 11 plays, 56 yards. It, it resulted in a field goal. There were a bunch of penalties on that drive. Two pass interference on Burke. That was, it was actually a, uh, Arkansas State got the ball back after punting because of that boneheaded play by Taraja Mitchell, where he tried to leap over the protection the protection team, which was a personal foul. That's a new rule, I think, uh, from a couple of years ago for player safety. So that that took four minutes off the clock, four minutes three seconds. But then the big one, the real time suck, was in the second quarter. Another field goal drive by Arkansas State, 
14 plays at eight up six minutes, 53 seconds. You combine the two mm. drives. That was almost that was over almost 11 minutes of game time. And to your point, yeah, that they played keep away with the Ohio State offense. And that helped Arkansas State hang around. And, you know, Ohio State was complicit with some penalties and mental mistakes on both drives. Anyway, back to you, PBH. Yeah. What else do you see? Yeah, and no, you could just see it. You could see it on the face or they would pan to like Ryan Day. You could see he was so frustrated. He's like, just get he off was. the field, for God's sake. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was the other thing. I kind of felt like they played this very familiar defensive scheme that allowed them to do that right like it it, it didn't feel like they were bringing pressure it mm-hmm. felt like they were just dropping back in zone coverage and you know um you know they were dinking and dunking and then getting first downs and I, you know i mean kind of reflecting back on the game i'm kind of wondering okay was that purposeful why would you do that mm-hmm. you know and i think we were all expecting this creative you know I don't know, just, you know, new scheme defense. And I felt like watching that defense felt like defenses of old. And maybe that was the plan. I don't know. I didn't right. hear, you know, any explanation for it. Um, well, I thought but- I, I thought the one of the big culprits was that the second team defensive line was in, if I'm not mistaken, for a good part of both of those drives. And that's been one of my big critiques of the defense. One of my only critiques of the defense is I don't think Ohio State is getting nearly the same production from its second unit on the defensive line. And I feel like um, this isn't Noel's call. This is Larry Johnson's call. I feel like Johnson is going deep into his rotation early in games. And and I don't, it's Ohio State is not able to put opponents away when they're doing that because that second unit just isn't as effective and that was my view of what happened, especially in that second quarter. A lot of reserves on the field, especially in uh, along the defensive line, and they just don't get nearly the same level of pressure or disruption from their second yeah. unit. That was my view of it. Yeah, no, that could totally be it. And the penalties were yeah, the, brutal. That, that the plus the penalties. Were, yeah, yeah, the <laughs> reverse Jesus. Like that. That was the funniest thing I think I've seen in years. Like, like I'm pretty sure they teach that in junior high. Like you, you have to turn around, but he didn't even try to turn around. He just went full. He was beat pretty badly. Eagle, yeah. Scared the guy. <laughs> like, dude. And in, like, I, insult to injury, the guy made the catch too. So you, <laughs> you, you're referencing the second pass interference penalty on Denzel Burke on that first scoring drive by Arkansas State, where the ball was in the air and Burke just kind of splayed out his arms. And you called it reverse Jesus, which is really funny. That's a perfect way to describe it. To try and face guard the receiver, receiver comes down with the ball anyway, plus the flag. Not one of Burke's better moments since he's been at Ohio yeah. State. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you kind of addressed it. Like there might be something to watch there. Um, yeah. And he does man up on guys too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, you know, in, in your review, you know, there, there's no obvious, like he's, he's going to play right there. There's no doubt about it. Right. There's nobody. Um, could you got to let him play through it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I also just kind of wonder like, okay, does he have to be like, he's manned up on everybody. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what is the scheme with that? Can, you know, what uh, they call it like too deep or something along those lines, you know? Right. Um, because it felt like that was kind of the defensive scheme that they were playing, right? Like this Ben don't break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. ironically, and I think we talked about this on Saturday, like that might be more of a concern than I think all 
people would have thought going into the season with the defense, which would have been the linebackers. And maybe do we have bigger concerns at cornerback than we do at the linebackers? I, I think certainly at that one spot we do. I thought I, I, you know, I think Cam Brown has played really well so far this year. Burke has had a little, little bit of a rough go early on. He's, I think he's in the middle of a sophomore slump. Um, but I think, you know, he's going to have to play some man because Knowles wants to be aggressive and he wants to you know, send his linebackers on blitzes, what we, which we've seen several times over the, the first two weeks right. and, and very effectively, right? He's getting to the quarterback. So I think part of getting pressure on the quarterback is you have to be able to play in man. Today, both Ryan Day and Jim Knowles were, uh, had a, held a press conference, their usual Tuesday press conference, and neither seemed overly concerned with the play of Burke. I think Noel said flat out, he's going to be fine. Look, he's, you're on an island out there as a corner, and sometimes you just get beat. Did, did he address the great teacher that they have to turn around and look for the ball? Is, is that, <laughs> at least we're going to start coaching. The, yeah, <laughs> that age-old question, right? Because on and off throughout over the last, what, seven or eight years, right? We've had our corners don't look back for the ball. In Burke's case, he just couldn't even find the ball. He was beaten so badly several times. It was almost as if he just wasn't ready to play. And to your point, the noon kick – the much lesser opponent, the 44 and a half point line. Uh, these are 18, 19 year old kids. Hard yeah, to get them up. Can't get up. Right. And you yeah. had a, you had a, you know, there were a lot of empty seats in the shoe for this game. Not nearly the same environment as it was against Notre Dame. What else did yeah, you see that, that stood out? Um, so defensive, yeah, I kind of covered that. I thought the, uh, Stroud, he just makes NFL throws sometimes. Like, oh. geez, man, those are just, those are amazing balls. Uh, clearly Harrison had a coming out party. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, sort of get on your, your bandwagon, but I, I, even I, after last week when I was like, okay, do we have, you know, are we sure Henderson is better than Williams? <laughs> it felt like Henderson should have gotten a lot more touches right. in that yeah. game. Yeah, um, I agree. Naturally. You know, especially <laughs> in, in, in both opening drives to start the game and then to start the second half. Right. It's like, um, yeah, th this guy is, you know, he, he's going to break something, you know, he's mm -hmm. going to go long. He's going to have 200 yards in the game and it just never materialized. Only 10 and, carries. I mean, you know, he had 10 carries for 87 yards and two touchdowns, a plus a 44 yard run. I think like a 23 yard touchdown run. And, and also the run on his first touchdown was eight or nine yards right up the gut. Uh, you know, he was very patient. He followed his blocks. I, I thought, you know, hey, you know, he, he was not targeted at all as a receiver out of the backfield. As you know, I've been beating that drum for the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and I think what we saw out of out of uh, Mayan Williams was, you know, not his best performance. And I think week in and week out, I don't think we're always going to see the Mayan Williams that carry the ball in that fourth quarter drive, you know, that 95 yard drive against Notre Dame. I just don't think he... I don't think he's talented enough to bring it every single week. That's why he's the second back. I don't understand why the, the coaching staff is treating these two backs as interchangeable parts. To me, they are different backs, different skill sets. Um, and I think you really have to, you, you have to involve Henderson more, uh, you know, in, in just in the game plan overall, he needs to get more touches than 10 carries. And I understand you want to save him for November, but you know, I said this on, on the, the post game pod on Sunday, he, he is a running back and mm -hmm. this is Ohio state and this is the big 10 and you can't keep him in bubble wrap until the Michigan game. You're going to need him to win games before then. So, so yeah. So where are you on the running back rotation? 
I mean, I don't want to completely backtrack from what I said last weekend, but I also think, you know, game, the, the game situation should dictate it. And it's just agree. clear that like Henderson, you know, was having a better game and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the complete, you know, I, I don't know how they do the rotation it was just kind of frustrating. There was points right. in the game where, and by the way, I was paying very close attention to it because I had Henderson over 130 yards in one of these stupid prop bets, worst <laughs> gambler ever. And I'm like, why is Williams in there? Right. And, and maybe now I'm clouding my judgment, but no, it just doesn't seem like, um, I, and again, I'm not saying Henderson isn't a great back, it, but but game situation should dictate it. And I it agree. seemed like that wasn't happening at all on Saturday. Yeah. And w- when you got a hot, you know, hand, ride that hand. And he doesn't do that. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there were situations when Ohio State's playing situational football. I, there were some curious choices at running back, and and the one that stands out to me mentioned it in the post game pod. Ohio State. Uh, at the very end of the second quarter, they take possession at midfield with 44 seconds to play. I mean, that's an eternity for C.J. Stroud. So huge opportunity to get additional points before the half. And uh, Mayan Williams is on the field in the two-minute drill. I don't understand yeah. that. And the, the 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 drive starts with a failed screenplay to Williams. It goes for no gain. So yeah, didn't understand that. Sense. There were a couple of other uh, moments as well. They keep they they want to run that pitch sweep. It's a little toss to the perimeter. They, they ran that several times to Williams and that was strung out. And, and Arkansas State likes to send their defenders to shoot the gap, their linebackers and safeties. And they did that effectively a couple times. And Williams just doesn't have the speed to get to the corner. That situation against Notre Dame, if we're talking about situational football, 95 yards to go, you need to salt away the clock. That's Mayan Williams, right? Totally. But two minute drill to me, come on, look, I'm not a head coach, but two minute drill. <laughs> That's Trey Henderson, right? He's the guy that's going to make that first tackler miss. He can make something out of nothing. So come on, Ryan Day, let's go. I, I just, it bugs me. I think to it me- It gets a little too cute at some point. Too right? cute. Or, and, like, and maybe they're just being a little too committed to their rotation. Okay. Trey did two series on. Now it's Mayan's turn. Now it's, right. no. I mean, look, you got to break up the rotation based on what's happening on the field. To your point. It, it just was a little curious last week. How, yeah, I agree. You know, they didn't they didn't ride Henry. and maybe it's maybe it's a usage thing but to your point come on this is big ten foot i mean this is right he'll be fine and if he, you know what and if he gets hurt it gets hurt right you, right you, just because you know he, he ran the ball 10 times or 15 times you really think it's going to be the 16th time a guy gets hurt it's it's completely random right it's football um, i let him play it's football yeah let, let him, play. him play yeah you know hey listen i'm not calling for 35 carries against arkansas state but you know, ten touches. He did not. He was not thrown a pass in the game. So ten carries. I don't know. I, I think you can use him a little bit more. I, I don't. I don't think you need to. You know, as they say, keep him in bubble wrap until the Michigan game. So it'll be interesting to see. I. I think this. We're going to get to this in a second. This is a good Toledo defense that's coming into the shoe on Saturday. Believe it or not, we'll get to it later, and uh, it might be a night where the Buckeyes might have to lean on him a little bit. So I got a question for you, and and you know I've been banging this drum as well since last year. Brian Day said in his press conference today he expects both Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming to play, but you look at what Emeka Ibuka has done through two games. I mean, are they going to tell Emeka Ibuka, sorry, Julian's healthy, sorry Emeka, uh, you know, you're, you're the fourth receiver now, you're back to returning kicks and, you know. No. 
no shot, no, no shot. shot, but that it is going to be interesting to have those guys back and see if it makes a difference sort of overall, you know, from an offensive perspective, right. there's no way a book is on the field, right? We can all see it. Like yeah. he, he's got next level talent and ability um, in, you know, candidly Fleming has shown. We haven't seen anything from him yet. Anything out of him. Nothing. Right. And that's right. not, you know, to take anything away from the guy who's been hurt and stuff like that. Um, so to answer your question unequivocally, no, that being said though, you know, it, can Fleming be a factor? Sure. I don't right. think it's though necessarily going to come at the expense of a Buka. The, the right. guy has just got too much talent and ability. Um, he's, he's smooth. Like Chris Lave. he's got some, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, he's got some of that smoothness to him. I agree. Um, and so even though it's going to be great to have both those guys back, I just don't see him taking snaps away from, you know, right. You know, maybe, you know, they're playing a little bit of chess and they've got all these other plays and they're going to set this up and have those four guys on the field and doing, you know, you know, crazy shit. I I'm not quite sure, but that that guy is for real. He's not getting off the field, and he's certainly not going to be losing snaps to Fleming. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. Yeah, and you know that just goes to Ohio State. You got such a small window, and if injuries or off the field stuff, whatever it might be, you don't take advantage of your opportunities. There's somebody right there, and ironically, we're talking about in Egbuka and Fleming, the two number one receivers in their respective classes. I mean, Fleming is, you know, he's in year three. And, yeah. um, you know, when's he going to play? When are we going to see him? Hopefully this week. But yeah, Ibuka last week, four catches, eight targets, 118 yards and a touchdown. He also had a jet sweep for 27 yards. He had 80 yards after the catch on receptions. He returned punts. He returned kickoffs. I'm sorry. I, if I'm Ryan Day, I, that guy is my, he's a starter. And yeah. Fleming, he's the fourth guy. I think it's I mean, a no-brainer. <laughs> so, so, two, so two things. Does Fleming sort of fall into our fourth-year starter quarterback rule at Ohio State? Yeah, you know? well, that, right. The Todd Beckman rule, where if it takes the you Todd five Beckman years to get out of the- <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite put him in there yet just because of his recruiting profile, which I'm almost certain is you know way, way higher than whatever Beckman was. But no, I mean, I think he's running out of opportunities. I think he's running out of time. And, um, you know, I, I, hopefully for his sake, he can get, he can be healthy enough to string together, uh, you know, six or seven games here where he can show what he can do. But um, I think Ibuka is, is solidified as, as one of their top three receivers, no doubt in my mind. And it's going to be, it's, it's, I think, I think Fleming's got a long road back here. Uh, I wish him the best. And, you know, you no, need totally. some depth, right? Yeah. You need more than just three receivers. There'll definitely be a role for him. But this idea that he was going to be one of the three starters, I kind of scoffed at that. I, you know, in my mind, I was like, it's going to be really difficult to keep Egbuka off the field. And so far, that's proven true. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. The other thing he's. <laughs> And again, I wish nothing, but but he could be on like the steel chambers road to, you know. Position switch. <laughs> position switch, which, you know, the dude is built like a, like a Mack truck. Like yeah. he could easily be a safety or something, you know, like. Maybe. I, yeah. I mean, he is, he's a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. Um so, but, but who knows, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and he could be completely, you know. 
you know, as a third or fourth option on the offense, like, yeah, how do you stop that with, you know, if we get all four of those guys on the field, it'll be, it'll be great, but you know, I'm not seeing it at this point. And again, just Spook is just too damn good. He's just too damn good. Yeah. So it was Harrison, right? Oh boy. Because- Harrison was amazing. So I, I had said after the Notre Dame game that, Hey, maybe we slow our roll a little bit on, on Harrison. And my thinking was, you know, he was great in the Rose Bowl, you know, three touchdown passes. But, you know, Utah was playing a running back at corner. They were very shorthanded. They were down several starters at corner. So I was like, eh, you know, he's still, I think he's going to be great. You know, got the pedigree, has the, the all the physical traits, but was a little disappointing against Notre Dame. And then he just exploded <laughs> on Saturday. He should have had four touchdowns. By the way, the one yeah. that was called an incomplete pass, that was a touchdown. It was incorrectly officiated. I don't know why uh, it was never reviewed. Um, but that was clearly a touchdown. So, but he finishes with three, and I think he's only one of a handful, maybe two or three players in Ohio State history that has multiple three touchdown games. So, two games in, where we sit today, how are you feeling? Do Do you think okay, this is where I thought we would be? We're right where we're a little behind where I thought we would be, or mm-hmm. sort of somewhere in the middle. As yeah. an overall program, knowing what we know now of the egg that Notre Dame just dropped yeah. last weekend against Marshall, mm-hmm. are you more bullish, less bullish, or kind of like, yeah, this is kind of what I thought where we would be? Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, said. and I said this at the end of the of the postgame pod on Sunday, that my, my confidence in this team was a little bit shaken watching Notre Dame lose, you know, to Marshall at home. You know, but some of the some of that could have been the fact that they had to play Ohio State the week before in, in a very physical game where they got ground down in the fourth quarter of that game. But yeah, I mean, look, that that has me rethinking where Ohio State is. I don't believe Ohio State is a fully formed national title contender yet. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I would say a little less than where I thought they would be. Yeah. Um but you know, you you make a good point, right? Like you, you know, we kind of discount it, but you you lose your second best player on offense. Yeah, I mean, one of the top ten players in the country, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Smith and Jigba, top 10, 15, maybe. Yeah. You're gonna, yeah, the guy that's gonna go top fifteen in the draft, you lose him. Yeah, that might that might affect your team a little bit. You're right. Like, oh, well, yeah, we got all these other guys. You're <laughs> like, yeah, but still, that guy's special. Um, you know, and so. No, the the Notre Dame loss is just like I'm sure everybody <laughs> who bleeds scarlet and gray was just going what that the was painful fuck? you can't, that I mean can't do that it's so brutal um, but you know it could be an anomaly I you know the only team out there that looks I think maybe precipitously better than us is Georgia mm-hmm. um, but that's through two games and that doesn't mean anything, right? right? Like Alabama looks pretty damn pedestrian to me. I was going to say um, that. They looked mortal to me. Alabama looked mortal to me. So relative to the rest of the country, um, yeah. I, I, you know, if you, if you, if you consider it that, you know, if you, if you consider the backdrop, the national landscape, Ohio state is right there, you know, right on course. I, I think maybe slightly behind, but um, I'm not worried. I'm not yeah, worried. That's where I am. Slightly yeah. behind, but not. Yeah. The concernometer is pretty low on that. It's probably <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah. Just not fully formed national contender yet, but with plenty of opportunities to get there. Well, listen, PBH, if you're ready, why don't we turn our attention 
to this coming Saturday night. All right. Let's do it. The Toledo Rockets visit the Horseshoe to take on the Buckeyes. This game is a 7 p.m. Eastern kick on Fox. So PVH, there you go. You got your your primetime matchup here. Who knew that it would be Toledo? Uh, The line is Ohio State minus 32. That line has gone gone up a little bit since it came out. It opened at 31. The over-under is 61. Now, Ohio State leads the all-time series between these two schools three nothing. I, I'm surprised that they've only played three times over you know the hundred plus years of the history of this program. But three and Ohio State. Uh, but the last time these two teams played back in 2011. Now that was the Tattoo Gate season under interim head coach Luke Fickle. We got to qualify it. The Rockets nearly beat the Buckeyes. Toledo had the ball first and ten at the Ohio State yep. 21 yard line with a minute to play, trailing by five. The Buckeyes were able to stop the Rockets on downs and hang on for an ugly 27 to 22 win. But the Rockets do have a bit of a history of hanging with Northern powerhouses. Let me walk you through that, PBH. The last time time Toledo played... Please do. I will. (laughs) The last time uh, Toledo played both Michigan and Penn State, they beat them. In 2008, the Rockets beat Michigan in the big house. Now, granted, that was a pretty lousy Michigan team. That was a rich rod team. Rough, rough year for the for the Wolverines. And in 2000, Toledo thumped Penn State in Happy Valley 24 to 6. But more recently, and this was just last season, Toledo took Notre Dame down to the wire in South Bend. The Irish scored the game winning touchdown with just over a minute to play to escape with a 32-29 win. I went back and look at that box score, PBH. Toledo defense, six sacks, 11 tackles for loss in that game. They really pushed Notre Dame around in that game. By the way, a lot of the information that that I'm pulling about Toledo comes from an interview that I just listened to today that Doug LaMarie did with Dave Briggs and Kyle Rowland of the Toledo Blade on the Buckeye Talk podcast. They did that earlier this summer. Briggs and Rowland covered Toledo football for the Blade. So shout out to our buddy, Doug Maurice, uh, for that interview. Good old Doug. Good, Good old, old Doug. Doug. Uh, this season, the Rockets are regarded as one of the favorites to win the MAC. Phil Steele, for example, is a believer. He picked Toledo to win the conference. Toledo is 2-0 so far this season with two blowout wins over Long Island and UMass. Okay, not exactly murderer's row. Now, at the moment, (laughs) the Rockets are number four nationally in total defense, number one nationally in defensive yards per play, allowing 2.7 yards per play. 2.7 yards per play is less than three yards per play. By the way, those numbers aren't necessarily the product of playing, you know, Long Island and UMass. Toledo finished 13th nationally in defensive yards per play last season. So I think this is a legitimately good defense. Now it's led on, that defense is led by, here's a name you're going to remember, Ohio State transfer linebacker Dallas Gant. Oh, good old Dallas. <laughs> Dallas. Now Gant is Toledo's leading tackler so far this season. Now, by the way, I want to separate Gant from Kayvon Pope. It was Kayvon Pope who left in the middle of the game last year and wrote the FU Ohio State tweet you know, from the locker room. Gant right. actually left on much more amicable terms. The Rockets also have a pair of pretty good defensive tackles. Dewan Johnson, who's second on the team in tackles. He's their top graded defender, according to PFF. And a player by the name of Judge Culpepper, also a defensive tackle. He's a Penn State transfer now in his second season with the program. Finally, on defense, they have a good edge rusher named Jamal Hines. Hines led the Rockets in sacks last year with 10. This is a really good defensive front PBH and, and something to watch in this game. On offense, really one player to really mention 
It's quarterback Daquan Finn. He's a former Mr. Football in the state of Michigan. And in 2020, Finn threw for 18 touchdown passes to only two INTs. Finn was, he was part of kind of a, a quarterback a competition, quarterback by committee situation for the first four or five games with Toledo last year before he finally won the job. He's six foot two, 210 pounds, really good athlete who, by the way, so far this season is Toledo's leading rusher, averaging seven yards of carry. He also has three rushing touchdowns. And as a passer, Finn has some decent arm, arm talent. Uh, through two games, he's completed 61% of his passes, three touchdowns, and one interception. PBH, let me turn this over to you. Why don't you give me a concerno meter score for this game? I I feel like I just got seduced by you to completely <laughs> change. Like I called 1-800-PORN to change my <laughs> conviction that this is not going to be a game at all. And I'm going to discount absolutely everything that you just said. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop right there. And the, the second thing is I'm, I'm literally astounded that number one, there's even a college on long Island. Number two, it's not a liberal <laughs> arts. And, and number three, they actually play football. Apparently. Like, apparently. That a thing? <laughs> I never even, it's, it's funny. Like there, I learned things every single year doing this podcast. It's funny to me. So I discount absolutely both of their wins. Yeah, they might win the Mac. They're not winning this game. Um, we're going to win this game running away. Okay. I think we're going to unleash the Hounds full force night game. It's going to be, we're going to cover. It's going to be, it's going to be a blackout. It's going to be the Buckeyes by a lot. Okay. Are they doing the blackout for this game or is that for Wisconsin? I think it's for Wisconsin. In any case. Oh, really? I thought it was. I, I think it's for Wisconsin. Well, whatever. It's it doesn't a night matter. game. That's a red all I out, care about. A scarlet out. What so, a, right. Night game. Okay. Sorry. What's your concernometer score for this game? Zero? Is it? I mean, so that the, the they that they would lose? Well, just I mean. I'm not concerned. I, you're I mean, not concerned. I mean. Give me a number. Two. Just just for posterity. Two. 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 All right. Two. All right. Great. What was I for Notre Dame? A zero? I, something like that. I think so. But hey, this Toledo team. Hell, who knows? They might even be better than Notre Dame, for all we know. I mean, they probably should have beat them last year in South Bend. Yeah, but last year was last year. This year is this year. And I'm just not seeing it. I mean, again, like how can you you take anything away from playing UMass and Long Island State? I I mean, like – and, you know, I, I will say this, the only thing that might, you know, the transfer portal, right? So, you know, they got some, they got one of our guys, they got mm-hmm. a Penn State guy. So maybe, you know, maybe that helps them keep it close. Right. But I expect us to win. I actually expect us to cover. I'm, okay. I'm sticking to my guns on that. Okay. Got it. All right. So your concern meter score 2.0. Not very concerned. Mine is at 4 and I say this for a couple of reasons. Toledo is widely regarded as the most talented team in the MAC. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe they get a medal for that. There's a there's a trophy for that, whatever that's worth. But they are generally regarded as the most talented team in the MAC. I mean, they put more players in the NFL than than probably a handful of Big Ten teams. Yeah, I'm they're sure re- they do actually. Yeah, they're, they're returning a legitimately good defense that really pushed Notre Dame around last year in South Bend. I also don't think this Ohio State team, as I mentioned before, I don't think Ohio State is yet a fully formed national title contender. I feel like we're still kind of we're still kind of developing on that front, you know. 
And, uh, you know, I don't believe we're playing our best football yet. We've seen glimpses of it, uh, especially on defense. I think the defense has been the most consistent part of, of, of this team. And they might be without Jackson Smith and Jigba again in this game. Now, I know Day said that he expects him to play, but he may very well miss this game as well. So I'm going to set it at four just because I think Toledo comes in with a very good defense. You know, and it's that old bunch of Ohio kids not recruited by Ohio State. You know, some of them, many of them probably grew up as Ohio State fans. All right. Mm -hmm. Let me kick this back to you. Let me get a score prediction. What do you think, PBH? 50 to 10. 50 to 10. Okay. 50 to 10. What do you got on that? Yeah, I just, I, I feel like enough's enough. I think they're going to come out guns a blazing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I do, I, it, it sounds weird, but I think timing matters, you know, and atmosphere matters. And I think, you know, even, even the fans, right? Like you even mentioned it, like a lot of empty seats in that second game. Well, the, 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 the you know, the players feel that, right? You oh, know, yeah. They don't, you know, so I, I just think place is going to be rocking. I think, you know, I, I hope um, Fleming plays and Smith and Jigba play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get the full, you know, offense rolling. Um, I kind of feel like Knowles was just playing this just very vanilla defense last weekend. Um, but that's two games, right? Calm preseason, what, you know, like right. getting your life up. And and now let, let's go, let's roll. And, you know, we got Wisconsin the week after. I don't think there'll be any looking ahead to that. And I expect, I expect them to come out and throttle this team. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I you know, look, I, I just said it, you know, if the Buckeyes goof around in this game, you know, like they did in the first half against Arkansas State, you know, this could get uncomfortable for guys like you and me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this, if this is a somewhat of a game for a couple of quarters. Uh, you know, and 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 again, I'll I'll say it one last time, not to not to belabor the point, but just not quite entirely sure how good Ohio State is right now. If penalties are an issue in this game, Ohio State is 110th in the country in penalty yardage, and the Buckeyes are either unable or unwilling to run the ball. You know, make make a bigger commitment to Travion Henderson. Again, that's something that Toledo could take advantage of to make it interesting. But I'm going to say Ohio State 41, Toledo 14, not quite a cover. Um, I, I do think they button up the, the penalties. And uh, I'd also like to see, I'm hoping to see them commit to uh, their start, keep their starters in the game for the first you know couple of quarters, really lean on their best players, get this game in hand. And and then turn to the reserves, maybe you know, in in the fourth quarter. So well, you know, it's interesting you just said that because one of the downsides of playing a team like Notre Dame, okay, we we thought they were the fifth team in the country when <laughs> we played them, though. Um, it doesn't give you that opportunity, right, to, right. to truly know who your best players are. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, like, okay, I think we kind of know at this point. Let, let's start playing these guys. I you agree. Know? I agree. In this heavy rotation. You know, and that's why I kind of said like, okay, preseason, like you're still feeling some, some stuff out, but, um, at this point, you know, if we're not playing an 18 game slate here, boys, let's play our best players. Let's, you know, win these games. Let's, you know, it, and then if it gets out of hand in the fourth quarter, then sit them, but play your best players for the first three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that, especially along the defensive line, but you do make a good point. I mean, you're going to have a very physical game with Wisconsin the following week. Um, so, 
you know, I guess if you're Larry Johnson, you have to be careful about how you dole out the the uh, the snaps for your defensive line. But or maybe it's just the second unit needs to play better. That, in my mind, is what I want to see. If he's going to continue to rotate players, which is what Larry Johnson likes to do, then Tyleek Williams, Jerron Cage, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyler Friday, come on. Yeah. Start to make more of an impact on the game. All right, PBH, anything else you want to mention about this game before I any other good games this weekend? So, right. That was the other thing. I was looking over the schedule. It's, It's a bit of a... It's a bit of a lame slate, unfortunately. Not a ton of other games that I'm I'm really interested in. But I said that last week, and yeah. there was well, utter that's chaos. Bevy of upsets. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because that, that's always uh, the way that it seems to go. You've got number one Georgia. Now they're the the freshly minted, newly minted number one team in the country. They have South Carolina. They they visit South Carolina. They're a 24 point favorite in that game. But you know, it's the SEC. You never know. But um, you, know, you got Michigan hosting UConn, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Scott Frost, by the way, finally yes. shown the door by Trev Alberts. They'll they'll have an interim coach uh, situation there. They host Oklahoma. But you've got BYU, Oregon. That is technically a top twenty five matchup. That's at Autzen Stadium in Eugene. Number twelve BYU against Oregon. I'm just ticking down the schedule here. Penn State, Auburn. We get round two of that game. They played at Happy Valley last year. This year, it's at Jordan-Hare. Um, number 22, Penn State. They're a three-point fave in that game against unranked Auburn. Um, I'm just not seeing a lot else, PBH, to be honest. Oh, Michigan State. They've got an interesting matchup at Washington. Uh, and the Huskies are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game uh, against Sparty. That's a what, sneaky good Sparty, test. Like, what are they ranked at this point? They're number eleven. I think that's a sneaky good test of of Sparty's legitimacy as a top fifteen team. Right? You go on the road against an opponent, tough place to play. We've seen Ohio State go into that stadium. Well, you know, it's been a few decades now, but that can be a tricky p- place to win, uh, Husky Stadium in Seattle. But and then Washington is a three and a half point favorite in that game. Um, that might be a, a result to watch. And again, which, kind of- which, which again, though, so, so back to my earlier rant, as far as like no more noon starts. Right. And we talked about this, like with, with COVID, you know, like college football really needs a czar, like a scheduling like, czar. <laughs> a, let's just yeah. like, I, I was, I, I was going to say commissioner and I hate that, that term, but right. Like, how are we now, you know, like there was nothing last weekend, you know, I mean, Alabama, Texas should have been the primetime game, right. even though Texas and it was a hell of a game. It did deliver. And it was but, a great game, yeah. you know, but like, who is, you know, and don't give me this shit. Like you have to schedule it 10 years out. That is such bullshit. Right. right? Like, come on, you guys, like have meaningful games that the public wants to watch. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They'll watch. You'll get 10 million eyeballs for games that matter and yeah. and and stack them up like dominoes like you know and you're going to do out these billions of dollars on these tv contracts mm-hmm. but here we are in week three and there's really no marquee matchup between top 10 teams that that's just stupid i'm sorry that's just dumb i i agree i i think that's going to change you know we have these two super conferences forming we have a 12 team playoff format coming I think probably sooner rather than later. And I, I think that's going to open up opportunities for more of these 
much more intriguing intersectional matchups. Teams are going to be more willing to put their seasons on the line early in the season because they know they can qualify for the playoff with a couple of losses. There's another interesting matchup, though, that is at the bottom here of the list as I tick down it. Texas A&M hosts Miami. That's number 24, Texas A&M, who lost last week to Appalachian State. Number 13, Miami comes to College Station. Texas A&M better be careful. Uh, you know, that that's a game they could easily lose. And, What's the line in that game? Uh, they're only a five and a half point favorite. Dude, really? I mean, they're not good. Yeah. They're not good. I remember and you they saying- They knucklehead $9 million a year. <laughs> and I remember you saying after Texas A&M, you know, won the, you know, I don't want to say won, but, you know, locked down the top recruiting class this year. And I think you said, they'll fuck it up. And, and so far, early returns from Fisher, not good, not good. He could very well yeah, be zero two after this. There's actually Saturday. a very good uh, article in the Athletic by Andy Staples today, or whenever about Texas A&M, and like he's predicting they could they could potentially lose like three or four next games. Like they've got a tough slate. He's yeah. the offensive coordinator. Um, he's had he had one good year, the COVID year. But right. other than that, he's lost four games per season. And by the way, they gave him like a $75 million extension Oof. last year. Like Oof. college football is effing insane. It's drunk. What they do with these coaches. <laughs> college right? football is like drunk. Scott Frost walks out with $15 million after that performance. It's <laughs> mind boggling. So, so, so here's, here's Texas A&M's schedule for the next four or five weeks. They get Miami, number 13 Miami at home. Then they host number 10 Arkansas. At Mississippi State, then at number two Alabama. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, they could blow all those. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're gonna be they could very well be one and four after that. Yeah, and I, I I'm pretty sure he's got a very similar record to uh what Sumlin, Kevin Sumlin's record was, you know, over the same period of time, the first four years. It's just it's it's just crazy. Ugh. Oh boy. Yeah. So I love, I can't believe, I'm actually surprised that uh, they're even favored in that game. Yeah. Well, not by much. lost to Appalachian State at home and Miami's coming in ranked 12th. And I think that guy is actually a pretty damn good coach. Right. Cristobal, right? Yeah. And, and. Hey, he came into the shoe last week with Oregon or last year with Oregon and beat us. There you go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's a game to watch. All right, buddy. Well, listen, man, thanks so much for making the time. Um, I really appreciate it earlier in the week. Why don't we plan to get together next week? We will recap Toledo, and then we will have a look ahead to Wisconsin. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.